All right, everyone, thank you for joining us for another Ascent Cloud at Table Talks. We have a great episode ahead of you. Not that every episode hasn't been amazing, but I personally think they get better with time. So here we are talking about this new abnormal work environment that we are all experiencing on some level, whether we are temporarily working remote, we have transitioned to permanently working remote, we're a hybrid environment, we're still trying to figure out what on earth we're going to do. So we brought together uh, Craig Bickley, Ascent Cloud's SVP of Sales, as well as Sandro Vaselli, who is our SVP of Operations, here to chat about it. Um, with both of these gentlemen, by the way, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Ascent Cloud Table Talks. Uh, this is Craig's, I think, third or fourth one, and Sandro, first one here. So glad to have you. But we have Sandro and Craig here because they have the unique experience of having managed teams fully in an office, as well as a hybrid work situation with having teams in an office where they work, as well as having teams working in a different location. So onboarding, training how all of that works. Therefore, we brought them on board today. So jumping into this, this is a topic Craig and I have actually spoken about many times. And then Sandra and I had another side conversation. So we thought it'd be great to bring the three of us all together. So looking at what some of other companies have been doing, we know we've been dealing with this, with having a back to office plan that then just basically got blown to smithereens because the world changed and we had to adapt with that. Um, so we wanted to look at what some of the big players are doing, what are large organizations dealing with. It's one of those, it's like an Us Weekly. They're just like us. They're having the same issues that we are. So you have Apple and Google who were supposed to go back into the office in October, and that's been delayed. And it already been pushed back from going back in September. Lyft is not requiring employees to return to office until probably Q1 of 2022 at this point. Uh, we've got Salesforce who were hugely tied to they've stated that they expect 50% of their employees to work remotely after the pandemic is done. They have huge offices that they are closing. They're just not coming back. And then we look at LinkedIn, which has a phrase that I've really latched onto, which is they're moving away from a one-size-fits-all policy. And they're allowing employees to work remotely permanently if they want to. And we're going to look at some statistics that we pulled up for a previous discussion that Craig and I were having about the fact that we do have some people that work better remotely and some people that work better in an office. So how do you make adjustments for that when you've got both sides of the coin? So we're going to jump in first, starting with the challenges that people are facing. We're all facing them. We are here. We know our customers are. So Sandra, I'm going to start with you, especially because we've had a conversation about this with you onboarding new employees, having to do it remotely, which is a whole different thing. So what are some of the challenges you know we've been facing um, as an organization, the world as a whole, as we're dealing with this new abnormal work environment? Great. Uh, first, thank you, Cassie. Hello, Craig. Uh, this is a very interesting topic for, for me right now as we're bringing on quite a few people uh, in, in the onboarding or recruiting, frankly, an onboarding process is challenging um, in, in, in this new normal that we have today or new abnormal, as it were. Um, I think some of the challenges we face right away is, you know, just getting them to feel like part of the team, right? Is that you onboard people and, you know, you want them to feel the culture. They talk to a lot of folks on the phone during the recruiting process, but once they join, you know, they're at home, they get to see people via Zoom, uh, but they don't get that sense of like togetherness, that sense of company, you know, looking at the office schemes and the banners and all the things that we have in the office to make you feel welcome. 
Uh, you know, those are absent from the onboarding process. Uh, so getting them to feel like part of the team is difficult right out of the gate. Um, even though we try to, you know, do a good job of getting them to meet lots of people and getting them into lots of discussions across teams to make them feel welcome. Uh, it's still, you know, difficult to do via the Zoom concept. Um, similarly, I think, you know, when you're training people remotely is difficult too, right? Because even though you can share screens and kind of whiteboard some, some things that way, um, you, you're not engaging with them. You, you know, sometimes they're distracted by what's going around them in their homes, uh, they, you know, you have a very limited amount of time. They can't just walk by and ask a quick question. You know, they they have to do it inside of these focused areas of time where they're doing their training. And then they're kind of off on their own for a while. Uh, even though we leverage different technologies to allow them to act quickly, ask questions, uh, you still don't get to see their facial expressions and see, are they getting it? You know, what what's their kind of body language doing? Do they feel comfortable uh, are they feeling like they're making progress, right? You, you don't have a good way of knowing kind of what they're doing day to day to make them feel successful. So I think those have been some pretty big challenges right out of the gate for us. Uh, on the flip side, I feel like, you know, the, the focus training is good. They're uninterrupted. They learn uh, quickly while they're remote. Uh, but, you know, just the, all the nuance of things that happen in a company like ours of the gotchas that you don't see as part of, tra- of of reading things online or looking at documentation is tough to gauge uh, and tough to learn quickly when you're uh, remote. Craig, what do you think? As usual, I agree with, with Sandra. We rarely disagree. Thank you, Cassie. It's great to be here again, number one. But um, I, I, I do agree with Sandra. So, you know, when when we recruited and, and hired people in the past, you would, you know, in the recruiting process, you'd meet them face to face and your other team members. So if you have an inside sales team, you'd have them interview with some of the people on the inside sales team or a field sales team at a sales meeting would meet, you know, somebody that could be their future, you know, teammate. Uh, and then as you onboarded them, you always had face to face time, whether they were remote or not, you'd fly them in somewhere and and you'd meet with them. Or if they were inside sales teams, they'd be part of the office environment. So that's gone. We're hiring people that we never have seen face-to-face as as, as our, our customers. And we're onboarding them with never seeing them face-to-face. And I think the challenge, the biggest challenge to me, if you can net it down to one thing, is trying to figure out what the individual situation is for a certain person. What is their home situation like? What is their home office environment? I mean, I, I've got an employee that really, his, his desk is in the garage. So, um, you know, what is their home environment? And then are they more productive in their remote spot or are they less productive? And sometimes they'll tell you, other times they don't know and can't tell you. And you need to figure out from a challenge standpoint, you need to figure it out on your own. And we'll get into some of the solutions as we get as we get down the road. But every employee is different. You can't violate HR rules by asking them, you know, intense personal questions. So you got to figure it out through Zoom. And it's just a whole new dimension. I'd like to add to that real quick. I mean, I, th- I think Craig brings up a really good point, right? And it's not knowing what's best for them, not only from a productivity standpoint, but also from a general uh, mental health and happiness standpoint. In fact, this morning I had a, a call with someone as an interview and, you know, the question came up as comes up often recruiting is, you know, what's your, what's your work from home policy, right? And I was honest with them and I told them that, you know, we're working from home now, but may eventually come into a hybrid type of uh, process here in the future at some point. And and his reaction was quite a surprise. It was, gosh, I really want to work in an office. I really 
you know, am much happier in an office. Uh, you know, it gives me time away from home. I can separate my work from my life. And you just don't know those things, right? And it, it didn't used to be a big deal, but now it really is. To Craig's point, there are people, whether they're more productive is, is one question, but certainly are they happier working from home or are they happier being in an office? And, and it's tough to gauge that uh, in, without directly asking that. That's perfect. That leads right in some of the research that we've done in the past. There were some what I thought were interesting stats. And I don't know if everybody else thinks stats are as interesting as I do. But the economists did a study and talking about being productive, whether you're in an office or at home. And it's one of those tough ones that you really hope it's going to be very clear which is which so that it can help guide, help leaders and managers guide their teams. But unfortunately, the responses back were 36% of respondents said they were more focused working at home than in the office. And then 28% of them said they felt less focused working at home and in the office. And with this working remote situation, not necessarily having been a player in the past, all these new ways of trying to figure out what is going to work best. And then another one, which I know Craig had initially brought up when we were talking about this, um, as someone who's basically been remote for the last three years, I don't think about it in the same way. I've gotten used to it. But a study by Ring Central was talking about inclusion and how you feel as being part of the team, especially if you do have some people that are going into an office, maybe you're having a meeting with somebody and or with a group of people, and four of them are in a conference room together, and four of them are all on a Zoom call trying to feel included in that. And this Ring Central study showed 41% of employees struggled with group work during the pandemic, which I know we focus a lot on individual work, but have you guys experienced that or heard from other customers when it comes to that group aspect, that inclusion as you're trying to work together while dealing with remote and or hybrid work environments? Yeah, I would say I would say that that is a challenge for not only us, but for our customers as well. I mean, I think you get the sense of, uh, you know, uh, you're, you not only do you not feel included, it almost starts to become clicky, right? Where you have the people who are always in the office together, they start to develop a camaraderie, you know, they, they joke around with each other, they might even go grab a lunch together. And if you're remote, you don't get to participate in those situations, which, again, puts you in a different position inside of the business relationship, right? Uh, so I think that is quite a bit of a challenge for people is to how do we you know, make sure that we uh, make people feel comfortable and included, uh, but yet, you know, they're not there with you. So you don't get to experience, experience that kind of ad hoc camaraderie. Yeah, I it, it, it's a tough one. And so then I'm going to throw another stat at you guys. I promise this will be the last one. Um, and then we'll move on to solutions. I don't want to just be focused on problems all the time, but let's be honest, we're all experiencing these different problems. And this one I thought was really huge as well. That's probably impacting a number of people. So I want to hear your guys' take on it. But when it comes to having a plan and communicating that plan to your team about what the next steps are going to be, um, McKinsey did a survey and found 68% of the organizations surveyed had no detailed plan communicated or in place for what the new work situation was going to be. And I know that we had one and it was communicated. And then unfortunately, it couldn't happen. So some things were out of our control, but I thought it was really interesting to hear that we've got organizations out there that don't have a plan and not sure what they're going to do. And I was curious if you guys have heard that 
obviously we had a plan, but from different organizations that you guys have been working with, if they have a plan, they had a plan in it, like ours just got blown out of the water. They're not sure what they're going to do. Maybe they've decided to completely go remote. Like what you guys have potentially heard from different organizations in regards to this. Well, I mean, again, I think it depends on the size of the company and, you know, the the locations of the company. Uh, I think that that matters quite a bit. Uh, but I, th- I would agree. I think most companies, particularly small to medium-sized companies, don't have a good solid plan. But I think some of it, too, is economical for them. They try to look at, you know, does it make sense for us to go back to the office? Should we have office space? Should we be spending money on rent and these other things? Uh, it, it, given the, the environment that we're in today. And I think a lot of the business leaders are unsure about how they want to position their company going forward. On top of that, I think from the talent pool standpoint, you're starting to see, comp- you know, it used to be where you would recruit in your area because that's where your office was and that's where the competition was for recruiting. But today, because it's at, we're all working remotely, you see companies, particularly Silicon Valley companies that are really attacking all markets all over the world. So now the competition's grown into where you need to recruit from. So now you're recruiting outside of your market, which makes you drive decisions around how big of an office should we have? Should we have an office? I don't think it's because business leaders don't want to tell people what the plans are. I think they're still trying to figure it out in terms of how do they get talent? How do they keep talent? How do they grow their business? And 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 the the function of having an office may not be as important as it used to be. I, again, I, I agree with all that. And you you watch these big companies, as you mentioned earlier, like Salesforce, who are obviously we're, we're we're very in touch with. You know, we know uh, know a handful of VPs and AVPs there, and you know they're jettisoning floors of real estate, and and you know so and this is a big thoughtful company, but they've made a decision that you know it's never going to be the same again. I think a lot of smaller companies, what, what Sandra was talking about, is they're 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 not necessarily not building a plan, but they're scared. Uh, we had a we had a guess you and I had a uh, session with the AISP, the Inside Sales Association, where I had one person in my breakout session who they demanded everybody back. They were an inside sales team and they demanded everybody back, and they lost five employees immediately. Not because the employees didn't want to uh, work for that organization. It's just because their personal situation, whether that was daycare or you know whatever it was, or just being scared of of coming into an office environment. So to to me, it's not. It, it's companies are, are are trying to make plans as we have, but on any given day, it it, it changes. So I think where you need to focus is understanding the change that's going to occur. It's never going to be the same. So then how do you handle it from the ups and downs? At some point, you may be able, you know, we pulled a sales meeting off in July. We had pretty much the whole sales team in the break between first COVID and the Delta variant. You know, we had mm-hmm. 40 people in a room, right? We wouldn't do that again today. So now you've got a different situation. So how do you build your systems and your interactions to work knowing that it's going to go up and down again? And I think that's really what, you know, what the focus needs to be. Well, Craig, it's like you've been on a podcast with me before because you have just transitioned beautifully into the next portion of this conversation without even maybe without knowing it, not really sure, as we are now doing this remote as well. Okay, so how do we solve for these challenges? Get Debbie Downer out of the way. Let's move on to the other aspect of things. 
Now, I'm not saying that, well, I do think we are some of the smartest brains on the earth right here. We don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly what to do. No two organizations are the same. Like the um, the thing I was mentioning earlier from LinkedIn, there's not necessarily one size fits all policy anymore. So what are some of the solutions that we may recommend? We've tried, we've heard from customers. Um, these may even be solutions you guys have implemented for the last, who knows how many years, having had kind of this hybrid environment already in place with your remote teams. So I started with Sandra last time and Craig, you transitioned us into this nicely. So I'm going to start with you when it comes to some of these solutions. How do we solve for these challenges? So talking with you know, our, our prospects and our customers and dealing with this internally, you've got to have early warning systems that aren't burdensome on the corporation. You know, everybody needs to track activities and track time, and but you need to do it in a way that, you know, is easy for the employees to absorb and isn't micromanaging. So you need an early warning system and you need a way to communicate with employees. It's got to be clear what the communication is. And then there has to be monitoring systems that, you know, give you an early warning if an employee is having difficulty or a team is having difficulty. It could be a whole team. You could have a team that's not functioning because they're not operating right in a, in a hybrid world. They used to all be inside and they haven't all, you know, got together on how to be collaborative on, on, on a, in a hybrid role. So you need, you know, early warning systems. You need the ability to communicate with employees. And then you need to just, you know, be motivational as well. So you need systems that recognize success. You need a way to tell somebody, hey, you did a great job here. And you, you know, because you, you're not, you can't get them in the office and do a high five. So there has to be ways to do that. So you've got to build systems that aren't burdensome on the employees and the teams, but bring you the data and yet keep track and motivate. Yeah, I think those are excellent points. And and I, I would agree with, with all those. Um, I would add though, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And one of the few things uh, that I stuck with me over the years that no matter what, it's all about the people, right? And, and you know, measuring productivity is, is relatively straightforward. We do that a lot of ways, right? And, and one of the key questions I always ask leaders is, you know, do you know what your people are doing now? And do you know how they're feeling now, right? So people have one-on-ones, you have discussions, you have reports, but what about like right now? How are they doing and how are they feeling, right? And how do we impact that? So I think having early warning systems to kind of tell us, you know, are they being productive? Are they doing the things that we want them to do? Um, are they doing that consistently? I think it's very powerful. But I think, again, going back to the mental health side of it is, you know, how do we make sure that they're happy, which drives loyalty to, to, to the other coworkers and to the business? Uh, and, and you do that through, you know, uh, giving them some sort of uh, reactions, positive reactions, giving them some visibility to not only their managers, but to their coworkers around them, um, accolades you know, something that shows that they're, they're being successful and something that engages them, right? And I think those are important things to do on a regular basis, uh, even outside one-on-one, so daily or throughout the day to get them some sort of positive feedback that they're not only doing a good job, uh, but that we're really happy with them and that we recognize them to their coworkers. I absolutely agree with all that. And I would add very, very, very quickly that Coaching has really changed in this world. You, you need the framework of coaching, but I think a lot of companies don't coach enough and don't get to know the employees. And I think having people remote and hybrid makes that more difficult. 
And, you know, people that haven't managed remote teams don't understand how to do that. And, and the coaching can't just be a spreadsheet or a piece of paper and, you know, 10 questions. There's got to be a formalized, you know, methodology around, around coaching, a system to support it, but it's got to be motivational and it's got to bring out the things that the employee is both struggling with and being successful with. And then if I can tack on to that, which it's tying perfectly into the people aspect of it, and then what Craig was saying, um, I think that managers and leaders really have to make more of an effort now than they necessarily did before when it comes to your people. You can't see them. You can't stop by their desk. You can't have the team events like you could before. Everybody knows team bonding, team building is huge, but when you're not there together, it's a lot more difficult and you can't just push it to the wayside and say, well, we can't do it like we did before. You've got to find a new way to do it. And I also think um, accommodating or acclimating how you manage, coach, whatever it may be, mentor your team, you have to acknowledge it's going to be different now. And it's probably going to be different with different people on your team. Just like we found some people work better remote than they do in the office and vice versa. Some people are going to like being on a video share that helps them feel connected. Some people, not so much. Maybe they're in a garage and they don't want you to see what's going on behind them or there's children in the background that just, yeah. they don't want to, or there's they're, they're Zoom fatigued out. Like there's too many meetings going on. So I think that's a huge thing that managers and leaders have to acknowledge and is going to be something that is sticking around that it's not, well, this is temporary. I don't want to completely change how I do things or this isn't going to be forever. So we'll just get through this. But for some people, this is how it's going to be. You're going to have teams that are spread out. So you've got to get used to doing something differently and trying different things as well. That one thing you try may not work so well. That doesn't mean don't try again. And that's just yeah. my little tidbit to it all. Yeah. Okay. I think that I, I think that if I could add one thing, I, I think absolutely probably one of the most powerful meetings you can have with a person is the walk by them, look at them, and just say, How's it going? Right. Uh, and you can't see their face now. You can't see their body language now again. And and a lot, of, I can't tell you in my life how many times that's turned into, let's go sit in this office and just chat for a while. And they have a problem in their life that, you know, they want to talk to someone about or a problem at work they want to talk to someone about. You know, those are very tough to do nowadays. And one of the things I think is going back to coaching is, is not just coaching your managers, but also other people to be leaders and to be listeners and to engage with their coworkers and just be, you know, uh, better, uh, com more compassionate with them. I have these pop-up meetings I call with team uh, people out of the blue to just say, how's it going? What's new with you? What's been happening? You know, um, what'd you do this weekend? You know, what's going on with your dog? Whatever it might be, you know, just to get them to share with me how they're doing and, and get a gauge on, you know, uh, being there for them and being compassionate for them, right? Which I think is, probably one of the most important things we can't do as much as we could before when we were in person. Absolutely. And speaking of which, Craig, how is Max doing? How is your dog doing? We want to make sure that Max is good. Oh, we're now in the personal questions. <laughs> so, the really good news is my buddy Max has been quiet this whole time. <laughs> so we've all had dog barking on Zoom calls and Max has a great bark. He is fine. Thank you. You know, Max can always be a part of Ascent Cloud Table Talks. I feel like he's part of the team now. Okay, so wrapping things up, first of all, Craig, Sandro, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always love talking with you guys. So very excited to be able to share these types of conversations with anybody else who's out there listening. 
But per the usual, before we wrap things up, we always like to ask a little question to our guests to help our listeners get to know them a little bit more. We are just a voice out here. Although you can always find us on LinkedIn, Craig Bickley, Sandra Vaselli, Cassie Dodd. You can see the face, but we want you to get to know us a little bit more. So we're going to start. Sandra, you're going to be answering first because I know Craig's just going to pass it off to you anyway. Great. So hopefully this one's not too hard, but if you could have one thing to eat for the rest of your life, it could be a meal or it could be a single item, but we're not talking like a full buffet here. We're talking like an pasta. There we go. All right. I kind of was hoping it was going to go that Italian route for you. That's easy. So, <laughs> all right, Craig, what would yours be? Oh, man. Sandra's, well, Sandro's Sandro's Italian, so that, of course, is the answer. But I, I guess I that's true. I would have picked the same thing. So can I say great seafood? Is that? You, is that? Oh, that's yes. If I think Craig Bickley, I am thinking of some nice salmon or something like that. So. Yeah. That can I, can I put in a close second? A close second is a nice bottle of red wine with some good bread that you dip into the red wine. If you haven't tried it, try it. That's the way to go. So next time we do have an in-person meeting and we're able to do this, Sandro is bringing us homemade pasta with some great red wine and bread because this sounds amazing. All right. So much more exciting than my single answer peanut butter because I think it is the best thing that is on this earth. But we all, if anybody knows me, they know I love peanut butter, but man, these sound amazing. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there before I go way too much on a tangent here. Hopefully everybody's hungry after all of that. So thank you again for everybody who has joined us for this episode of Ascent Cloud Table Talks. Feel free to check out any of our previous episodes. You can find them at ascentcloud.io. Just visit our resource hub and you find the link there. And again, Craig, Sandro, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Cassie. Great to be here. Thanks, Cassie.